A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. If you are a parent of seven children, what can you do to still keep a peaceful mind? Do you know mindfulness technique actually can help you be a better parent and be a better person for yourself? What are some tricks to make you to be a more mindful parent? Let's hear from our guest today, Josephine, a mindfulness coach. Also, she has a new book coming out. Talk about mindfulness and parenting. Let's welcome Josephine. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast, Josephine. Very happy to have you. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm very excited to be here and speak with you. I know you are actually quite an expert in the field of mindfulness, and uh, um, you also write a book on that topic. So how about we start with you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. So as you mentioned, my name is Josephine Atlery. I am a meditation and mindfulness coach. I have... Um, experience with mindfulness and meditation for both corporate as well as for parenting and infertility as well. I myself have seven children and that's that's what inspired me to write this book that is releasing in July in order to teach people the, the great lessons that I learned while I was in training for to be a meditation teacher and uh, offer that to parents out there who would like a, a different approach to connecting with their children. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I do hear a lot of people talking about mindfulness among adults, um, but not a lot targeting mindfulness among parents, and especially how mindfulness can help us in the process of parenting. Yes, that's right. And my, what's beautiful about mindfulness is that it can be applied to many different things. And I'm sure we'll touch base upon it later. Your, your podcast is about sleep. And there are so many ways that you can apply mindfulness to your bedtime routine, to your sleep habits, as well as parenting. And I found that firsthand with myself. You know, we're as parents, we're busy, but we have the best of intentions to care for our children. It just gets caught up in the busyness of life and the overwhelm that comes with it and the stress. And so the, the teachings that I've incorporated into this mindfulness journal for parents will help you to infuse mindfulness into your daily routine and your habits with your kids that will enrich your relationship with each other. Wow, that's wonderful. And you have seven children? And <laughs> I don't know how did you get through last year, 2020, when schools were all closed down? Yes, no, it definitely took a lot of my mindfulness training in order to stay calm and and sort of keep the stress in balance. Because even as a mindfulness coach, we still experience the stressors of life. 
But what is what's the benefit of it is that you're able to recognize it and be aware because that's what mindfulness is. It's being aware of the present moment, being aware of yourself and your environment such that you can make a more informed decision and be able to respond to the challenges that you experience instead of just reacting to them. Because it's really in that awareness that you give yourself a moment of pause to evaluate what the real situation is, what's really happening and how you want to, how you want to take your next step. So that's the beauty of mindfulness and, and how, and that's how I applied it during the pandemic as you, as you asked me. Wow. Sounds like this little moment of pausing or even slowing down can get our thinking brain back on, on the line, not just the emotional brain. Yes, exactly. And, and that's the, that's the tricky part of, of, of life is because there's so many stimulus happening around us. There's so many obligations, so many things that we have to do, and it just gets more and more complicated um, throughout the years. And so we're so used to just going, going, going that the idea of stopping and pausing seems contrary to what we feel like we should be doing in terms of you know, achieving the things we need to do, getting all the things done. But it's actually in that ability to be able to pause and to take stock of your situation that you can have a more successful outcome. Wow, I like that concept. So I'm curious for uh, when people apply mindfulness to parenting process versus on their individual life without children, is there any difference? Well, yes. So that's a great question because when you're dealing with children, they're very emotional. And in terms of if you compare it to dealing with, say, adults in, in say, your work life or even your, your personal relationships, well, there at least you're dealing with someone who's have, who has had hopefully more experiences and is able to regulate their emotions a little bit better. But with children, it can be very fast. And so that takes a lot more on our part as grownups, as parents, to be able to handle that situation and to really understand and have empathy for where they're coming from. Because more times than not, they're having these really big emotions. They don't themselves know how it manifested, where it came from, how to control it. And so the onus is on the parents, on the adults in that situation, to really model the right behavior and to sort of set the stage for how we're going to deal with those emotions and those interactions because they take our, their cues from us. And so it's a lot, I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than dealing with adults sometimes because of, of that very fact with emotions and not being able to regulate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because my postdoc, I worked in the child psychiatry for a year. So right now in my clinical work, I do see quite a lot of children and parents. And I totally, I think I can understand what you are talking about. And sometimes it's not, you're not just talking logic, uh, like 
teaching the child, right? Sometimes you have to reflect back to their emotion or try to understand what they are trying to expressing through their behaviors, through their uh, reactions, sometimes can be extreme. And at the same time, I think parents constantly be self-aware, very self-conscious about are they doing a good role model for their children? or they, well, some parents start realizing the problem when they notice their children are mirroring their own emotional reactions and start start this internal journal journey that, huh, <laughs> uh, am I dealing with emotion this way? Now I notice that from my children somehow, you know, that's very significant and possibly not effective. Yes. No, I love that you bring up the mirroring aspect of things because you're right. They really do feed off of our emotions and our, our actions and they're taking their cues from us. So it's a great lesson. If you're being mindful, if you're being aware, not just of yourself, then you're aware of how your child is responding to you. And you, if you're really being present in that moment, then you can take lessons from that to further develop yourself and how you interact with your child. And it's a constant learning process, but that's the beauty of awareness and mindfulness is that you're always there in that moment and taking whatever is coming in that moment and learning from it and then applying it for the next time. That sounds being as a present moment going to be so important. Right. It is. And so that's what I cover in the book. You know, we start off by talking about just regaining our focus within ourselves because it all starts with us in terms of if we are able to be aware of our bodies, our emotions, our environment, our interactions with others, then we're able to then teach it to our children because we need to be the ones first to be able to know how to do it. And then it starts to go into further into self-care and giving ourselves a break because as parents, we're very we're very hard on ourselves and you know it's very it's an emotional relationship and it's it's not it's very different from work and you know you're you're seeing the outcomes in your children and so there's so much tied to it so the there's a section on how to give ourselves a break so that we can again once again model self-love self-compassion empathy and, and then it starts to transition into managing stress and anxiety and how to deal with, with emotions when, you know, they're running hot and going into just the science, just a touch of science about how, you know, our brains work and how we deal with the fight or flight response and how we can use our breath to move ourselves into a state of calm. And then, you know, it wraps up the book with um, learning how to connect consciously and communicate mindfully. And a lot of exercises that actually you do with your child, because that's, you know, we're trying to be mindful parents. So it's right in there where we're, we're going to practice with our children and, and see how it goes and learn from that. Wow. Wonderful. I really like that concept. I, I like how you structure your book because um, I can imagine some parents when they are so frustrated, they just want some quick fix right? Just like, give me some tools. Tell me at the moment what I should do to my children, how I can manage them. Um, but sounds like from your book, it's more like self-exploration and self-improvement and building up this self-resilience, self 
coping tools, and then that help help to uh, help parents to be able to empower themselves, so they are more confident uh, and dealing with their children. And in the process, they possibly can handle it more and more smooth. Yes, exactly. It definitely. You know, you're right. People are always looking for the quick fix, but this really, it's you know, it's part self exploration and reflection of one's experiences through prompts and and journal and exercises that you do, so that it evokes self discovery, and it helps you reawaken awareness that sometimes gets dulled because of the busy busyness of life. Um, but then you'll get inspired by other stories of other parents and you'll get empowered with the tools to, you know, walk this path of growth for yourself and then ultimately for your relationship with your child and, um, you know, helps you really look and reflect on what's working, maybe what's not working and just constantly pushing yourself to grow and live authentically for you and for your child. Yeah, I especially like you mentioned you you put a lot of exercise in the book. Sounds like parents can do the exercise on their own. There are also something they can do with their children together. I'm sure a lot of parents would love that. Yeah, no, there are a lot of exercises with breathing. That's one of my favorite mindfulness tools is to use the breath. And there are many ways that we can do it. And it's wonderful because you always have it. So as parents, we're always on the go and we don't necessarily have the time to sit for 20 minutes and meditate in order to reestablish that inner calm that we have within us. So using a breathing technique is great. If you're sitting in your minivan and you're driving your kids while they're having a, a mental breakdown in the back seat. So you're able to use your breath while you're driving. Um, and then there are exercises, like I mentioned before, that you do with your child. So for example, one of them was just um, drawing a picture. So drawing a picture, each of you taking turns and then being able to explain it to the other person. And that helps with, you know, being present, being aware of what the other person is doing, but then being able to explain it, explain your emotions around it. And then for the other person, it requires mindful listening. So that builds on your communication skills with your child. Wow, great. So it sounds like when people read this book, it's not just reading a book. It's like a self-guidance, uh, self-paced learning journey and practicing journey. Like they can experience what, uh, where to get started with mindfulness and what this can do to their lives. Yes, absolutely. Not just a reading sort of book and then seeing what sticks here. You're actually reading little excerpts and then you are, you're asking yourself tough questions and growth questions. And then I also offer an online companion course that comes with it or that is separate that you can also purchase. And, you know, a lot of the exercises that I mentioned in the book, I give very detailed instructions, but if you're new to meditation and mindfulness, then it can be a little bit daunting to try and do it on your own. So the idea and the value behind the online course is that you'll see me guiding you on a video of how to do that breathing exercise, how to do that loving kindness meditation to help you with empathy. And, and then there are a lot of other bonus materials and journal prompts in there as well. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was, when you talk about that earlier, I was thinking, hmm, it, it would be better if there's a course coming with it. I know learning mindfulness can be quite difficult, even for myself as a psychologist. When I learned mindfulness, um, it's still, it's difficult. And in my clinical work, I saw a lot of individuals come in with wrong ideas about meditation, about mindfulness, and uh, eventually made them really suffering and uh, um, hit a block that, oh, this is not working for me. I just cannot focus for um, one whole hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that as well. And um, yeah, it can be very intimidating to learn a new habit or a new skill when you don't have certain types of guidance. Some people can certainly do it using just the journal. Other people need a little bit more handholding and a little bit more, more examples and having someone talk you through it and knowing that you can go back to it to, to retry it and watch it again and do it, do it as well. So that's, you know, that was the benefit of doing that. And you're right. I have to, uh, I love that you brought that up that many people come into you know, they know the benefits, they hear the benefits of being mindful, of doing meditation, and uh, they want to do it. They're very well-intentioned, but it can be so, it can be very intimidating to not know what to do. People often think that, you know, you're not supposed to have thoughts, that your mind is supposed to be completely blank. And so many of us, we all have thoughts. We have thousands of thoughts running through our mind. And it's impossible for us to just you know, press pause on that, the thoughts will be, will always happen. But what we're doing in meditation and mindfulness is just learning how to ride the waves of those thoughts. So when one comes in, being able to practice, acknowledging it, and then just sending it back on its way and returning back to your breath or your mantra, whatever it is you're using to ground you back in the present moment. And I compare that to life because in everything that we're doing, whether it's work, whether it's dealing with our kids, we'll constantly be in that moment with work or our kids, and then a distraction will pop up. Our phone will ring. We'll get a text. And what do we do in that moment? Do we get pulled by the distraction or have we learned to, to acknowledge it, but then return back to what it is we were doing, to whoever was that needed our focus, our attention? And that's what you practice when you're meditating, when you're doing mindfulness exercises so that you can use it and apply it in daily life. So it's not about preventing the, um, you know, the distractions in our lives. It's about how to face it, deal with it peacefully and uh, return back. And this ability of pay attention, pull back, pay attention to back, pull back. Yes, exactly. And that's life, right? We're, that's constantly happening to us. And when we are able to, to use these exercises and these strategies to do it, uh, then it it trickles out and into the rest of our lives, not just parenting, but in our work life and our home life, because then we're better able to manage these situations. Yeah. So talk about mindfulness and parenting. You remind me last year, especially you know during COVID, there are, I, I did hear many parents told me how. It's hard for them at night since kids are at home. A lot of parents feel like, especially moms, they feel like they don't have any personal time throughout the day. So a lot of parents end up staying up very late at night to squeeze in this 
little more personal time to enjoy after their kids went back, uh, went to bed. But then that the consequences are they don't get enough sleep or they end up having some kind of sleep problems. And I did hear several colleagues who are also uh, therapists talk about they start practicing mindfulness much more often throughout this frustrating parenting <laughs> um, stage. So I'm wondering whether that's what you observe also. Oh, definitely. I was actually one of those parents who would try to squeeze in. I still do. I So, okay. So I love this example that you brought up because yeah, I totally get it. I, you want to have that downtime because you don't want to feel like you're just doing, you know, you're just being the parent or you're just working and you want to feel like you can enjoy yourself at the end of the day. So I get that. But at the same time, there's also this little voice inside my head telling me the importance of sleep and just all the many benefits of it and why it's more important to get X amount of sleep versus fitting in another episode of The Crown that is like trying to binge on Netflix. <laughs> and so what this, the way mindfulness plays into this is that you are aware of what's happening. Many times we'll just we'll just go on autopilot and we'll just keep doing the same things that we're doing. We fall into that trap and that routine of, okay, once the kids are asleep, then we have this much time to unwind and then we just keep doing it. But when you're mindful, you can still have that moment where you're, you're asking yourself these questions such as, okay, it's now this time and I should get to sleep by this time so that I can get X amount of sleep to feel good. And I, then I know that tomorrow I'll be able to operate at an optimized level because I got enough rest. And so then you can, because you're being mindful and you're being aware, then you can make an informed decision. So if you really just want to veg out on TV and have that extra time, then at least you've, you've made that decision. You haven't fallen into that trap of just being on autopilot. And so it's really just being about, you know, mindful. And then if you decide that, yes, you want to sleep and you have, say you have a hard time unwinding because you're so, you're very stressed out and you have a lot of things on your plate that you're thinking about, you know, oftentimes as parents or even just working, even if you don't have kids, you're thinking about the next day and you can't get yourself to sleep because you're thinking about all the things you have to do the next day. So, you know, one thing that, for me that, and that I've helped um, many clients with is, you know, when you're thinking about your schedule, it can be hard to, it can be hard to fall asleep. So set aside a moment of time before, you know, in your bedtime routine to just go over the things that are going to happen tomorrow, just looking at your calendar or whatever it is that you use to organize yourself. And then once you've had that chance to look at everything, then you can set it aside because now you've had that chance to know what's happening and then you don't need to, you can keep reminding yourself throughout the night. I've already looked at it. I already know what's about to happen. It's now time to let it go and like go to sleep. And so you've done that. And then if you really can't fall asleep, then use utilizing other mindfulness strategies to help you unwind, such as doing a body scan you know, checking in with how your body is doing, doing a breathing exercise, doing a visualization. There's so many different mindfulness tools that work great 
for sleep. And I've had many clients who have used some of my meditations that I've done to help them fall asleep. And they've shown me the improvements on their sleep tracking, you know, apps and everything. And it's wonderful. Uh, it's really about setting that habit for yourself, setting up those bedtime routines to help you ease into a better state of mind to fall asleep. That's great. That sounds like people, when, when we are more mindful, we are actually choosing what to do, what not to do, instead of kind of like being pushed by life and slide into a certain option, a certain kind of behavior pattern. Yes, now that's exactly right. Being pushed into that direction because it's just what you normally do. And so it's really just about making, managing that time before bed and making a conscious decision on as to what you need in that moment. And every moment is different. You know, some nights you just, you'll need to do that X amount of TV or read your books or whatever it is you want to do for your self-care. And then other nights you'll decide that you need the sleep. And so um, it's really just about being aware of what your needs are and mindfulness helps you do that. Great. Yeah. So I'm wondering um, whether you have some quick, short tips for our listeners uh, right now who are listening, who possibly are parents or have some challenges in life and they feel like they could really benefit from mindfulness. Yeah, no, uh, a great tip to, you know, if you're looking to shift your mind from, say, a state of overwhelm, a state of negativity into one of positivity or um, would be, I love using gratitude. So, and this is something you can use at the end of the day as you're falling asleep, thinking about one to three things that you're grateful for that happened that day. Something, it can be something very small, like you were able to, you know, have the right lunch that you really were craving or a coffee in the morning, or it can be something big that happened, such as, you know, your child got a good grade or you got something, something wonderful happened at work, whatever it is. Thinking about those things, you can either write it down, you can do a voice memo or dictate it onto your, into your email, whatever works for you. But setting that pattern at the end of the night helps you shift into a state of mind where you're thinking about the wonderful things that happened to you. And you're able to, no matter what happened in the day, many things can happen. Some, a lot of things that are good, a lot of things bad, all mixed together. But here you're consciously shifting into appreciating what happened in the day. And when you're in that state of mind at the end of the night, you know, you're better able to ease into sleep because now you're not focused on whatever was worrying you or what was upsetting you. And you've let that go because now you've shifted your mind into something that's more positive. And that actually outside of sleep, you can do that throughout the day. You can do it in the morning when you wake up, you can do it when your child is having a tantrum and you need to shift your mind because you're, you're being pulled into that negativity right there, right then and there, you can just think of something that you're grateful for and help pivot you into that better mindset. I love that, to learn how to shift our mind instead of, it's not as simple as people often say, you know, uh, just to turn bad to good. This is bad. No, no, this is good. It's not this very simple so-called positive energy. 
I think it's more sounds like a change, a shift of perspective, and to pay attention to more balanced view. Things are not only has its negative part; it also has its positive part. Can we appreciate more about the positive aspect of it? Yes, I love that you brought up perspective because it really is it. It definitely is about how you are looking at things, and when you are able to move yourself into a lens, looking through a lens of gratitude and appreciation for what has happened to you, even if you know, even if you're in the midst of some awful things, there can always be something tiny.、Um, and the more you practice it, the more you build up that muscle in your brain to be able to do it. So, it serves you in many other parts of your life. Yeah, I love that metaphor you're using. Build up the muscle in your brain. So our listeners who are listening right now possibly get really excited to get to know your book, maybe read your book later to learn how to build up that brain muscles for it. So what what's the name of your book and where people can find it and when it's going to be released? Yes, thank you for for allowing me to share. The name of the book is Mindfulness Journal for Parents. You can buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. It releases July thirteenth. It's on pre-order now, so you can receive it as soon as it comes out. If you want more information on it, my website is jayatlurie.com. And for the mindfulness online course that it comes that you can also get, it's mindfulparentclass.com. And for daily inspiration and mindfulness tips, you can always find me on Instagram at Josephine R at Lurie, and I'd love to connect with all of you over there. Wonderful, wonderful! I really admire you to be a mom of seven and still able to balance your work, your life, and be so mindful.、Um, from from a mom's point of view, yourself with seven children. Is there any last wisdom you want tell our audience? Yeah,、um, well, that's a really good question. There's so many things. You know, one of the things that I mentioned in the book is the idea of letting go. So if we can just let go of many different things、um, as we're experiencing parenthood, it is to our benefit. So letting go, and for example, many applications to this. If you are in the midst of Trying to get your child to do something, or you're in an argument with your child about something that they want, asking yourself, "Is this worth it? Is this, in the long run, really worth the argument, or can I let it go?" And then also in terms of expectations, you know, we all come into parenthood with all these grand expectations of what parenthood should be like and what we have planned for our children, but our children are individuals, and they have. To express themselves and flourish in their own way, so we need to give them a little space. So that idea of letting go can be applied there too. You know, just letting go so that they can blossom into who they are meant to be, versus who you're expecting them and wanting them to be. And you know, the list goes on and on in terms of letting go. But that's you know something that is one of the main ideas that I picked up from meditation and mindfulness. And that's how I've applied it into my own parenting and the book. 
Wonderful, wonderful. That gets me really interested already. I feel like that's a book I definitely can pass on to many of my clients, um, parents who are, you know, struggling, not sure how to let it go and uh, still trying to figure out a way to be mindful. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see the book coming out very soon. And uh, um, I will put all your information on our show notes. So when people listen to this episode, they will be able to directly click through to your book, your website and the course website. Thank you again, Josephine. This is wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. If you are curious about Josephine's new book, check it out. It just got released this week. Also, if you speak Chinese and you have insomnia, or if you just want to improve your sleep quality, please check out my two online courses about sleep. One is online sleep coaching course. It's designed for people with very mild sleep problems and want do some improvement. I have another one is a four week long step by step guidance about CBT for insomnia treatment. So it's really a clinical treatment to help people recover from clinically diagnosed insomnia. It will be a self paced online course in combination with weekly live Q&A with me directly. And there will be some home practice for you to go back to really work on. Your treatment result really depends on how much you are doing the home practice and how much you are collaborating in the process of treatment. Please check it out at our website at mindbodygarden.com course. You will find all the information of Josephine and the course related information also on our Deep Into Sleep podcast show note at deepintosleep.co. Thank you for listening. Wish you and your family a wonderful summer. I'm your host, Ishan. I will see you in two weeks. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.